Hello, who are listening to the Greekonomics podcast. Let's begin the episode of the best podcast in the world. Hey, everybody. This is Alkis, and you're listening to the Greekonomics podcast, the show that explores how social, technological, and economic conditions will affect the businesses of the future with a focus both on the Greek economy and worldwide. In today's episode, I'm going to talk about the privatizations that took place during and after the Greek financial crisis. And they were one of the central pillars of Greece's adjustment program. They have been viewed as essential partly because the public sector in Greece is large and inefficient. More specifically, in 2008, Greece was ranked second among all OECD countries in terms of state control and public ownership of productive assets. Some classic examples are the National Rain Company, Train OSEE, which was among the most inefficient rail companies in the OECD, and its restructuring in 2010 and 2011 cost 1.4 billion euros to taxpayers. The National Airline, Olympic Airways, I'm sure you might remember it, uh, received 41 million euros of state aid in 2002 alone, which was given to the airline as part of an unsuccessful restructuring. Greece's main port, Piraeus, was operating so inefficiently that following the sale of a part of the port to the Chinese company Costco, output more than tripled over just three years. We're talking between 2010 to 2012. For comparison, output increased by only 20% in the other Greek ports, which were still state-run during the same period, of course. But privatizing state assets can lead to large efficiency gains through better management and deep politicization, increasing productivity both in the privatized firms and throughout the economy. It can also bring the much-needed investment and hence promote economic growth. We know that investment, especially foreign direct investment, is a catalyst in promoting economic growth. Such investment would not be possible from public funds given Greece's financial situation. Note, though, that we are talking specifically about Greece's situation and therefore the benefits are applied to this specific case that we are talking about. An additional benefit to this process is that it it would help in reducing the public debt of Greece, which was the main goal of Greece's restructuring program. On the one hand, with regards to the benefits and the disadvantages of of privatization is that on the one hand a well-designed and executed of course privatization program can generate funds and can function as a vehicle towards growth and prosperity as it did the same 
in uh, Chile, for example, and in other countries as well. On the other hand, though, a poorly designed and executed program may unjustifiably enrich few well-connected individuals and create oligarchs, as happened, you know, it's the classic case, everyone knows about that, in Russia, and of course, and in Mexico as well. Hence, badly designed and executed privatizations are undesirable, not only because the, the sale does not generate revenue for the state, but also be, because the high prices and lack of competition that may prevail after the privatization inhibit economic growth in other sectors as well. Thus, there may have been no point in even uh, making the privatization because they are going to lose more money than they are going to gain. Another instance is uh, assigning monopoly rights for te telecommunications to Carlos Slim in Mexico, which not only created one of the richest men in the world, but more importantly, the high prices for telecommunications that have prevailed after that have inhibited Mexico's growth uh, in a very large scale, which is which really shows uh, the the point I talked about before. The poorly allocated public assets create these distortions, as I talked about, through other channels as well, because the few connected corruption. See, this is the the key term here. Uh, the few connected business people is what I was saying. They benefit. The status quo is strengthened. What are their interests? Well, most of them would like usually block the adoption and the implementation of beneficial reforms and perpetuate a vicious cycle of excessive market power, of rent extraction, and of course increasing inequality and slow growth. Moving back to Greece's case, the initial target of Greece's privatization program was to sell 50 billion euros of assets between 2011 and 2015. As was the case in many of these uh, of these programs, the targets were not met. As of December 2014, only 7.7 .7 billion were raised, and subse subsequent targets stood at 11 billion by 2016, which then progressed to 22 billion by 2020. And in the long term, as a report I read specifies, it was 45 billion. Moreover, a big part of the 7.7 billion figure included some privatizations for which the agreements with the buyers had not been finalized and the funds had not been dispersed. Therefore, the target of 50 billion, as you can tell, was missed by a wide margin. The main reason is, in my opinion at least, because of the way the privatization process was run. And there were indeed deeper and more systemic causes which of course prohibited these uh, this process from being effective 
and generating the positive effects that may come from privatization. Greece experienced a, a massive decline in investment during the crisis. More specifically, investment ranged between 20 and 25 percent historically. Uh, I'm talking about uh, of GDP, of course, from 2000 to 2009, but then it fell to 11 percent as I'm looking at it. Um, in 2013 and 2014. FDI during foreign direct investment, by the way, in Greece during 2000, 2000 to 2008 was only about 1% of GDP, which is well below the OECD average. And it declined further to 0.66% of GDP in 2009 to 2013. The corresponding figure for Portugal Again, to put that into perspective with countries um, who faced a similar situation is 2.5%, for Spain 2.1%, and for Germany 1.1%. Given Greece's chronic difficulty to attract FDI, this was, has been um, an issue that we have had in Greece since forever, um, and the decline of even domestic investment during the crisis, it is not surprising that Greece's privatization program yielded weak results. Let's now move more towards what happened during the crisis. As I mentioned before, it was one of the main tasks of the adjustment program. Greece was asked to form an independent organ privatization agency to run the large-scale privatization program professionally, efficiently, and most importantly, without political intervention. To accomplish this, the Greek government formed the Hellenic Republic Asset Development Fund. In short, it was referred to as the HRADF. As of December 2014, after it had been established, the portfolio of this agency was included uh, 10 corporate assets, 22 infrastructure assets, and 1,000 real estate properties. I'm looking now at the December 2014 progress report published by the HRADF. The total value of the transaction that, the, uh, that this agency performed since its inception was 7.7 billion euros, out of which 3.1 billion had been received. Now, it's not correct to say that it only had that the privatization process during the crisis had only failures because it had successes. On the negative side, as I mentioned, revenues were well below the target and perhaps some of the assets could have attracted more revenues, uh, more bidders actually, and higher prices. Yet on the positive side, there had been pro there had there was indeed pro progress in organizing the assets that could be sold uh, in also in setting up the rules and the procedures and in selling some important assets. The main achievements were a better evaluation of the properties, their regulation and legal uh, reforms, 
and the creation of an electronic auction marketplace called uh, e-auctions. I'm not going to go a lot more into the technical stuff. I'm not going to go a lot more in detail about these uh, main things because I don't want to drift away a lot about the main points of today's episode. So, yeah, as the series is mostly educational, I would like to provide some background on privatizations through a general framework to evaluate the costs and the benefits of privatizations. Where what I mainly looked at was academic research, both empirical and theoretical. The usual objectives of privatization programs are usually to reduce the budget deficits and debt, to attract investment, to improve the productive efficiency of state-owned enterprises. Um, Another thing could be to develop capital markets and even to introduce competition into the monopolistic sectors of the economy. To achieve its goal, I'm going to summarize a bit what needs to be done, very generally, without going much into detail. To achieve the first goal, which was to reduce the budget deficits, and that it needs to sell the assets at high prices to achieve the revenue goal. The state must additionally refrain from subsidizing firms after the privatization has been done, either directly or indirectly. What I mean indirectly could be by assigning government contracts uh, without a competition process. To another thing is to attract investment and to improve productivity. So assets must be allocated to those who can maximize their value, the efficiency goal. And here is when where corruption comes in, which is a topic that's very, very important yet I'm going to discuss it in a future episode, but I'm certainly going to uh, to talk about this uh, this thing as I believe that it is a, a crucial factor and area that needs to be analyzed, uh, which had a huge role during the Greek financial crisis, both causing it and after. It is also easier to see the benefits or the disadvantages in many cases of uh, past privatizations through uh, some case studies. One of them which I found is uh, a a Gassner, Popov and Poshak research conducted in 2000, published in 2009, which analyzes the impact of privatization on the performance of uh, water and electric utilities using a data set of more than 1200 utilities in 71 developing and transition economies. What they find is that privatizations increased labor productivity and operational efficiency, with the privatized companies outperforming a set of comparable companies that remained state-owned and operated. What they found is, with regards to performance gains, in comparing average annual values pre and post privatization, what they said, what they found was that there was a 12% increase in residential connections for water utilities, 
there was a 54% increase in residential connections per worker for water utilities and a 29% increase for electricity distribution companies. There were also other percentages which I'm not going to uh, to talk a lot more about because I know that it can be confusing but there were other in other benefits too like a 19% increase in residential coverage for sanitation services with regards to staff reductions on average employment fell by 24% in electricity and by 22% in water there are no clear investment gains though for company sales investment per worker increased for company leases and concessions which means that uh, which I'm referring to the long-term lease contracts under which the acquirer is expected to carry out investments, there is no conclusive evidence that investment increased. The authors note on this research paper that this lack of investment raises concerns about the long-term sustainability of the operational improvements achieved. And also there are no systematic changes in prices. Except for electricity concessions, the study finds no evidence of a systematic change in residential prices. The result might also explain the lack of a public uh, or private investment. In, in general, what I'm trying to say from this example is that it indicates that privatizations of utilities have unambiguous positive effects on output and quality. Employment in the privatized firms decreases, and this causes even larger increases in productivity per worker. The effect on investment is ambiguous, as demonstrated by the previous example I talked about. Prices may increase when firms are prepared for privatization, possibly because governments seek to align prices with costs, but again, there is no systematic price change otherwise. And the way I want to and today's episode is through a discussion of the lessons from past privatizations and the ingredients of successes and failures uh, in some cases in order to see how this thing could go or went for Greece through a general list of, uh, of the elements of successful ones because the, the point of studying these past cases and the Greek financial crisis and analyzing each area is to actually try and learn from each and every one of them what went wrong and what we can improve or what went well and we should continue doing so. First things first, transparency is a key element. There should be nothing private about privatizations. Secondly, accountability and depoliticization is indeed essential with government authorities being in charge of running the privatization process. They, they, they ought to be accountable. There should be independent and thorough oversight of the privatization authorities, the investment banks, and even the auditing companies involved in the privatization process. The, risk of, the risks of collusion and conflicts of interest between these entities and potential buyers are large and real. Moreover, the governance and the structure of the privatization activities must be such that it prevents interference by politicians and interest groups. There should be a good design of the selling procedure. 
there they should identify the suitable buyers which is another element which is very important in this process large firms have the ability and finances to carry out large investments foreign buyers are preferred because they are less susceptible to capture by politicians uh, and other local interests sequencing as well suggests that selling uh, first more desirable assets help, helps build uh, build market confidence and signals politician political commitment to the privatization process and lastly thoughtful post-sale regulatory framework this thing refers to a strong regulatory framework that is critical for the privatization of natural monopoly and these are the main elements that can um, make a privatization beneficial for a country now this is the way that i want to conclude today's episode because uh, i believe that i have provided a spherical analysis of this topic and i would like to stay on the main lessons that we can take from uh, from past research that has been conducted on uh, on data they have from uh, privatizations and um yeah i would like to conclude today's episode thanks for tuning in and um we will see you on the next episode thank you for tuning in greek economics listeners and we will meet again in the next episode